This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. City successful on the road again. The final score at a wet London road. It finished Peterborough 2, Bristol City 3 is the no end to City's away from home winning exploits. Joining me this evening are Les and Ian. Mark will tune in uh, from a car somewhere. I know he was uh, live at the game. We were watching it from our overseas hideaways. Uh, Come to you guys like I normally do. Quick summary of the game. You first, Les. 30 seconds. Thoughts on another three points away from home? Uh, Well, big win. Big win prior to an international break. Number of injuries. Pressure on the team after a poor performance at Millwall. Game could have gone either way. But we were resilient. Uh, We worked very hard. We're leaving everything on the pitch. It's a big difference from six months ago. And we can go into the international break with a bit of pressure off us. Ian, your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a game that could have gone either way. I think uh, one great thing today, we had more shots on target and we converted 38% of them, which is actually quite a high percentage. Uh, and it was the highest percentage of possession uh, that we'd had to win a game this season at 41%. The previous highest was 38%. And the there's something in that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. No, well, that's uh, that's good. And that win puts us into uh, ninth place. I mean, as I said on uh, OTIP, put a little post on there with a link to this pod. Uh, if we got ninth at the end of uh, May or beginning of May at the end of the season, after all what's gone on before over the last couple of years, we'd be well happy with that, wouldn't we? Yeah? Without a doubt. I mean, where we were last season... I think people were genuinely concerned we could be right in the middle of a relegation dogfight this year. So to be ninth, and we've had some good performances and we're playing better football, um, is positive. I don't think it's a very strong league this year. I think there's a lot of teams going through transition. But, I mean, at this stage of the season, you snap your hands off for ninth, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Ian, it is fine margins because, you know, if we'd have lost today, you do the extrapolation, yeah, and, you know, 
we we'd be on fifty four points, where because we won the extrapolation for a forty six game season is sixty seven. Sixty seven is where it is ninth, fifty four, and you're on the verge of uh, relegation. But I think the thing is, are we going to be positive and say, can we kick on from here? Because we've got a little break now to get players back from injury. But you know, the next five games tough, aren't they? Resurgent Nottingham Forest, West Brom away, uh, Bournemouth next up at home, who are top of the league. But is the cause for optimism there? Well, I, I think that there's there's two things you've got to look at, Dave. Um, is it, are we a lot better than we were last season? And the answer to that is yes. But as we've said previously, that's a really low bar because last season, uh, over the last 33 games, we were the worst team in the division. And mm. Everybody was very, very worried. I mean, Pearson said himself, if the uh, season had gone on another month, we'd have probably gone down. Um, yeah, I, I think there's there's calls for, for cautious optimism, but there's still lots of questions. And in my opinion, there's two very, very simple things that we can do better that would make us very difficult to beat. Do you want to know what they are? Go on, Ian. Tell us. Tell us now. Then we get into this afternoon's action. Go on. Fire away. We have to get closer and stop crosses and shots. If you if you look at the first goal from for today, Andy King ran out, I'll say ran, out towards Schmodix. And when Schmodix drew his foot back, Andy King moved his body out of the way. Now, when you're going out to block shots... You, it, it, if it's going to take you in the family jewelry, in the kisser, it doesn't make any difference. You have to block the shot. And that was something that was wrong. So okay. on crosses, if you look at the – we keep giving the left back uh, or left wing back or left winger the freedom of the park. For some reason, we get sucked over to the left-hand side. And if you look at their three today, you get highlights real in the game. Their three was in about, oh, at least 10 metres of space every time we got the ball. And in the end, uh, when we were trying to see the game out, they shifted Weiman over to the right-hand side and said, right, just stop him going forward, get in his way. Yeah. Uh, and I think well, that's two very, very simple. You're not talking about coaching blokes to shoot from 35 yards and banana benders and hit 50-yard passes or become better players overnight. You're just saying, right, Get out there and get in the way of the damn cross or the um, or the shot, and, yeah. and then start the second half. Peter were almost did it again. They hit the uh, the ang- outside of the angle of the post in crossbar. Once again, with Pete players not running out and throwing themselves in the way of the ball, and those yeah. two very simple things that we have we could do, and we will be a mu- we will concede less goals. Yeah, that's a good, good point you make there. No, 100% a good point you make there, uh, Ian. And as somebody said, Red Robin said on here, you know, we're still, well, he echoes what you said, still conceding far too many shots. And one week, Bentley will have an off day and we could take a hiding. Don't think that necessarily applies today, but I'd like to see the aggregate of shots on target in the last uh, four games. Les, let's look at the starting lineup uh, today. Out went Baker injured, De Silva injured. And Backinson, a lacklustre performance at uh, the new den. In came Pring, King after a few games absence, and O'Dowder. 
that wasn't a bad side, all things considered, that we put out. Would you agree with that? And was it 4-3-3 or 4-4-2? I think Naki corrected uh, Toby Osborne saying it was 4-4-2. But your thoughts on the side and the shape? Well, I mean, before the game, you just need, you didn't know who was going to be available through injury. So um, I don't think we had a huge amount of options. Um, in terms of the shape, it was quite hard for me to work it out. I thought it was like a 4-4-2 with Williams almost playing the Masengo role on the right-hand side. Mm. Um, and then or the, the Brownhill role even as well, wasn't it? You oh, know, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about him later on, but you know, it was that bursting forward from there, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, because I thought they might have been three at the back again when I looked at the line-up with O'Dowder on the left, Pring playing left centre-back, but that's not, it wasn't the case. Um, and yeah, it was... For me, it was interesting to see who was going to be available. And obviously, a lot of people weren't. So it's really important that we get them players back after this international break, which has come at a good time, really. Yeah, it has this time, even though most of the time in the last, as far back as I can remember, we go into a national international break with a decent bit of form. And let's be fair, we have only lost, what is it, one out of the last six, yeah? And then we yeah. come back and we're a little bit rusty. Ian, your uh, thoughts on the shape? Lots of calls for maybe some changes to be made, notably uh, Chris Martin. We'll talk about his overall performance in a minute, but three games in eight days for him. Uh, were there... And there's, there was no surprises in that lineup for you, really, Ian, was there? No, I said I'd, uh, a week ago I'd match up uh, what Peterborough did and either go 4 4 1 1 or 4 4 2. But actually, today, it would, the shape was meant to be 4 2 3 1. So you had James and King in the holding roles and Williams, Vyman, and O'Dowder behind Martin as the lone striker. And that, and that's the way it turned out sometimes because Joe Williams was pushed wider than he'd normally play. I mean, I thought Joe Williams was excellent today, particularly as I think he's a central midfield player, not not a yeah. wide midfield player, but I think he did very well. Um, I, I wasn't happy about um, the, the amount of space, as I say, we gave their left-sided players to get the crosses in and Schmodix scored two goals from balls in from the left-hand side. Um, so, and people jumping out the way of shots. I'm not having that. Um, you know, you might have got it in kids' football. You might get it in amateur football, but these blokes are in an awful lot of money. So, get in the, I'm not asking you to be brilliant. I'm just saying get in the way. Um, mm. But with the injuries we've got, I hope everyone will be back after the international break. So, for, for everybody that's thinking, what do you want about? I mean, Kundi should be back playing football. I might even play before that in for the under-23s. Uh, Naki Wells said on uh, Robin's TV today that he was um, he was okay, uh, or he would be okay after the international break, and it was more or less precautionary. Um, Baker, um, you always hold your breath when Baker's out, but I, I think he'll be all right. Jada Silva apparently uh, hurt his ankle when he blocked a shot. It just caught him wrong. And Antoine Semenya isn't was described by uh, Curtis Fleming as not quite there yet. So, yeah. you know, there's no nobody there with a torn hamstring or, or a broken well, leg or a, a, you know a bad knee. So, I hope that they're all available because at the moment that side, without bringing the kids in from our senior squad of 24 players, bearing in mind one's out on season long loan, is is absolutely down to the bare bones. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's get into the action. Uh, Les, uh, I'd, I'd written nothing on my uh, pad for the first 20 minutes, and then uh, Burroughs uh, sets up seismotics. And what a strike it was, you know. Should Dave, Dan Dave, Bentley have to Dave, Davis Schmodics. It's not seismotics. Oh, God. Yeah. Turn your mic up a bit as well, Ian. All right, I thought there was something funny going on there. Les, Schmodics, Schmodics, yeah. curling effort. Um, should Dan Bentley have got it, or was it a classy strike? And did he have something to prove against uh, Bristol City today? He hadn't been in their lineup as a regular, so Sam's goal from distance. What did you think, Les? Well, I think I think he's got something to prove to Peterborough, let alone Bristol City, because he hasn't been getting regular game time and he needs to prove he's a championship player. And now he's got an opportunity because that Clark Harris is out for four games because of stuff he said on social media years ago and all that. Uh, it was was it a ball log, ball, was it a long diagonal? They've cut it back to him and he's got all the space and he's whipped it in the top, well not the top corner, but outside the box past Bentley. Should the keeper have done better? It's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, it wasn't in the corner. He didn't seem to get his feet moving. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but it was yeah. a good strike. I think the issue is, and it comes back to what Ian was saying earlier, they get too much time, too much time and space. Um, and if you give a player an opportunity to do that and they don't just go for power, it can go into Rose Z. There's always a danger it's going to go in the far corner. Um, yeah. So it was a good strike, but I think there probably is a question mark. But it's not, it's not one of Bentley's famous howlers that we've seen in the past, you know. Yeah, but in, interesting, Ian, saying about that space on the right, and we seem as though we've got a young man now in uh, Tanner that, you know, has made that spot his own, yeah, because I think that's the fourth game in a row. Well, he ain't got much competition, there. has he? Well, you'd say <laughs> Zach Viner. Well, no, yeah, it's all relative. We've got Zach Viner and Danny Simpson, a push with a fit squad. You could even say Callis is out there. But, you know, it's a perennial problem, stuff coming in from the right. So there they were, up. One nil up the home side after 21 minutes. Um, I'm not a great fan of Calamo Dowda, as anybody who listens regularly no. to this will know. Yeah. <laughs> Red Robin said pronounce it as sex modic. Sounds better, to be fair. Anyway, but I've written down here uh, 26, 27 minutes. Pring to O'Dowda cross chance for Martin. Maybe you should have done better. And then a minute after that, O'Dowda to uh, Pring this time. And he's got some power. No pen. He sort of looked to be nudged off the ball. But Pring behind O'Dowder, that was today's left-side combo. Ian, what do you think of that? Because O'Dowder, he didn't do too bad today, in fairness. Yeah? But, you know, those two on the left, you know, they got that's got more than De Silva. And I think that's got more than De Silva and Pring and certainly more than De Silva. O'Dowder, what, what do you think? And what did you think of that combo today while they were together? It's what, I, it's what I said we should do when I thought De Silva was injured. Um, you've got two left-foot players there. You had Williams uh, in front of uh, Tanner, so you've got two right-footed players. So you've got balance. Mm. And, and I think where our, our side lacks, uh, what our side has lacked in the past is, is playing unbalanced teams. Uh, yeah. As I've said to you, if we're going to play three in central midfield, um, my three would be Masengo, James and Williams. And I think if we can get Williams fully fit, we've got a hell of a player. And, and if we get Masengo fit, we know what we've got. Um, <laughs> so I, I think the only issue with those three players is they're not going to get you a lot of goals, but they should, uh, Masengo aside, probably get you a few assists. Um, 
So then we have to decide, well, who are we playing? For example, I wouldn't line up like that next week. Um, well, no, because we won't be playing anybody. Fortnite's time in. <laughs> All right, we'll sit next game. Next game. On the, I think it was that funny. Uh, next game on the 16th. Um, uh, I, I think if we line up like that against Bournemouth, we get stuffed. So we need a, you know, it needs to be more of a 4 5 1 against them, perhaps get some menu on the right, O'Dowd on the left. And I thought first half, Callum O'Dowd was arguably, or even Cam Pring, was our um, was our best player. Yeah. So and it's a show. Oh, okay, he went off. I mean, O'Dowd has hardly kicked a ball in the last six months. So he went off. We've got, you know, we've got to get him fit and firing because if he can be very good for 60, 65 minutes, he's, he's worth starting with. No, um, definitely. But you've got balance. You've got balance. You're not playing, you know, Nathan Baker at left back, who is left footed, but I mean, he gets, you know, all Nathan. He's not, he's not, gets... he's not as agile as Pring, is he? He's sort of, no, Pring's got as, a bit more as... ability and not as creative not as either. either. They're, they're both direct, yeah, and that's going to cause problems for defensive sides. The problem with De Silva yeah, is, is yeah. I mean, he, he, he does some nice bits, De Silva, but he's not powerful. He's not going to run at people. He's not really going to beat people. Whereas I think Pring has been really the surprise package this year. The problem is with O'Dowder is what, what he does is he'll run, he'll beat a player, then he doesn't know what to do with the ball. So usually he'll end up running back in the wrong direction. Checking back, yeah. Or he'll end up uh, making the wrong decision on the ball. But I think those two on the left-hand side will run at teams, and that will scare teams. And then yeah. that might open spaces up. So I think it's quite a nice little partnership. Yeah. Um, it's, it's now or never for O'Dowder, isn't it? I mean, this has got to be his last season where, he, where he's got a chance to prove himself. He's been here, what, five well, if years he, now? Yeah, he doesn't. And and I think if he doesn't prove himself this season, it'll be one that Pearson don't want people in the squad that he's got no time for. Look at what's happened to Taylor Moore. Yeah, just yeah. not his type of player. And even though he is under contract, you know, he could be on his way in the summer. But, uh, Ian, I'll come to you for the first uh, City goal because after they went a goal behind, you know, they did put on some pressure and uh, it was a corner. We don't often score from corners. And uh, first of all, it looked like Williams had scored, then Atkinson, but it was an own goal from Nathan Thompson. Is he one of the Swindon blokes that thought they'd won the league when they beat us? Is yeah, that why is. there was a little bit of banter? But yeah. Ian, how did you how did you see... Uh, in fact, no, Ian, talk us through the first two goals that we scored because it was two in five. And then, Les, I'll come to you for the second uh, seismotics one. But Ian, how did you see those, uh, those two goals for us? <laughs> Um, we, we, we put them under pressure. We had a good 10-minute spell. Uh, when the ball came, if you look at Peterborough's performance this season, they're not great at defending set pieces, and so it proved. Um, I, I think had he not, had Thompson not headed it, then I think uh, Atkinson or um, Williams would have done. So we got the ball in the back of the net, um, and, and that equalised uh, Schmodick's opener. Uh, the second goal. Well, who got that? That was uh, that was Tanner. I mean, I've written down here. It was James yeah, to was, Williams, back was... to James, and then Martin shot was blocked, and then Tanner came racing in and uh, slotted it home quite nicely for his first goal for the yeah, club. So Maybe nice, his first nice goal ever. I don't know. On, nice football on the edge of the box. No, he he scored a few goals for Carlisle. Right. Um, nice bit of football on the edge of the box. A nice in, interchange. Uh, James. Uh, nice cool head, took the ball across, uh, and the timing of the pass to Joe Williams was good. Keepers made a 
good block with his legs. The ball's gone out and uh, Tanner's kept his head. Nice side foot, uh, slide rule finish into the bottom right-hand corner. So, yeah. and at that point, I thought, well, this is it. We should go on to dominate. But fair play to Peterborough. I think they came back. They played. If I was just going out to watch a game of football and it had to be in the championship, you know, you could do a lot worse than watching them because I thought, I mean, it's like a five-a-side game at times, wasn't it? You attack, we attack. Um, yeah. And and I thought for long periods, well, decent periods of the game anyway, um, they were the better side and they had good shape going forward. I really liked Dembele up front. He's exactly what we haven't got. A uh, bit of pace, bit of strength, a bit of trickery. Um and I like the lad they brought on as a sub because I thought, you know, if you had him up front. Canu, yeah. Org- yeah, I, I thought he was a handful. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I, all in all, I, I thought that was a good win. And I actually yeah. hope that Peterborough pull away from the danger zone because playing the football they do, they don't uh, deserve, to, uh, deserve to go down. But they need to radically improve their defence because, in fairness, I mean, Chris Martin could easily have had a hat-trick. Yeah. Well, let's get back into the shape of the game then we talk about Chris Martin in particular at the end of it. That equalising goal, uh, Les, coming three minutes before the break. As I said, you know, City, it was a bore fest against Millwall, but to any outsider, the game against Fulham unbelievably got hammered today at Coventry. I watched some of that game. Uh, but, um, you know, today, another good advertisement for championship football. Um, Sammy says, Moddick's header, though, cross from our their left, our right side. Um, did they deserve to go in equal half-time, Peterborough? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it was a really poor goal to concede. I mean, the cross has come in really easily. And what's happened is, I don't know if it's Callas. I think it is Callas. I could be wrong. He's lost Smodix's run. Smodix has got ahead of him or Callas has misjudged it. And it's a good flick header, but he should never have won the header in the first place. The defender fell asleep. Um like the thing with Smodix is, look, if he gets the ball twenty-five yards out, like he did for the first goal, fair enough. But he, he ain't a big boy, so to concede a header to him was really, really poor, especially when you've just gone, uh, gone in front. Um, good header, but he should never have got there in the first place. And it's that thing again that was mentioned earlier. We are too lightweight at cross of allowing people to get the balls in the box, and that's something they need to improve, or we will get. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna let um, Mark have a little word because we can hear your car in the background, Mark. But what was the? Uh, in fact, it's really really bad, Mark. Your car noise. But uh, were you happy today, Mark? Yeah, the atmosphere the atmosphere was fantastic in the away end. Smoke bombs going off. Uh, you know, su- superb support from start to finish. And it was a great, it was a great game of championship football in absolutely atrocious weather. Luckily, we were, we were right at the back of the uh, the north stand, but it was driving rain, lots of surface water in the second half, and I think City got over the line because they defended a bit better uh, in the second half from Peterborough. And I think one of the talking points for me was Alex Scott's defensive performance when he came on because he made a couple of great last ditch tackles in our area. 
I think, away from Thompson and, and the guy Kanu. I'm glad I'm glad you've mentioned that because I was going to say I it before it the end, but there was a saving tackle that he did on Kanu that brought yeah. a new dimension to his game from where I'm coming on. But, uh, Mark, a lot of background noise with you. So, you drive carefully, right? And we'll see you for the next game, all right? By all means, carry on listening. But I've got to put you on... Uh, on mute here because it's yeah, just a little just bit too much background noise. Um, Go on. Thanks everybody for listening and yeah, safe journey to, to you all and uh, yeah, looking yeah. forward to the Bournemouth game when we're all fit. You take care. Hopefully. Cheers. Bye. There we go. Anyway, um, back to the game. Second half, um, O'Dowd again, you know, doing well. Puts in a cross. Williams has a header saved. But then up at the other end, uh, Ian, uh, Peterborough, as we said, a good attacking side. They hit the post, didn't they? You know, which could have put them in front. But uh, that wasn't to be, was it? And second half, we started to grow into the game a lot more, didn't we? Yeah? Yeah, I think we did. I mean, the the shot that hit the, the outside of the corner of the post and uh, top corner of the post in cross-bottom was another classic example of us not getting players in the way of people shooting. And I'm sorry, until... You know, I'll keep going on about it until we stop doing it. Um, and you were talking about in the last three games, how many shots. It, it's the thick end of 60 in total. Mm-hmm. They're not all on target. But, you know, we, it's, you've got the two things. We need to get more shots on target. Today we did that. You need to, when you get the shots on target, they need to be meaningful. We did that. Um, but you also need to, to stop the other side having the opportunities to do that because when you're in the champ, if you do it in the fourth division or league two, as it's called now, most of them will go out the ground over the bar or whatever you do it in, in. I mean, Peter had three shots on target today. That's all. They scored two goals and then Bentley um, tipped that free kick over the bar. And I've seen them go in. Um, yeah. So you just, you know, it, it's not. And what I'm saying is it's not a big talent ask. You know, it's it's a work rate ask and an organisation ask. And, and um, like I say, that's why I wouldn't necessarily line up that way against um, against Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Well, hopefully yeah. hopefully, I'll have a full uh, squad. Sorry, uh, Les, you were going to chip in there. Come yeah, in. yeah. I, I think Peterborough are going to be in big trouble this year. I thought they showed a real naivety today. Um, against Bournemouth, who they played last week, oh, not last week, in the week, they drew nil-nil. And they were very, very solid at the back and created very, very little going forward. And Darren Ferguson came out and said, this is a must-win game, uh, playing at home to Bristol City. And they almost, well, their, their system was the same. They left themselves far too open at the back. And it's very difficult for a team to change this mindset of one week playing very, very defensively and creating nothing to the opposite. And they got found out today. You can't come into this league as a League One side, and they are, what, they're not even a yo-yo club anymore, are they? Because they haven't been in the league for a couple of years and that. And you can't, you can't come into the side playing this really good level of football because you're going to get found out, especially with the players that they've got. They haven't got enough quality to play that kind of football. So they, if I were them, I'd be thinking, be more solid at the back like they were against Bournemouth. Yes, it means you don't create a lot, but a point's better than nothing. 
Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and they've got one point from two home games, which uh, which isn't good enough. I mean, let's get on to uh, Chris Martin, um, and I'll stick with you, Les, and then come back to Ian as well because we're going to talk about uh, the goal. I mean, he, he had a couple of chances in the first half. Everybody says he's not the most mobile, and as I say, this was his third game in eight days. But I've got here fifty-eight minutes. Uh, Martin with a header saved. I think that was a diving one he couldn't get on the end of. Seventy-one minutes. Williams. We've all said what a great game he had on that right-hand side. Very Josh Brownhill-esque. Puts in a cross. Uh, Martin header saved again. And then the, what proved to be the winning goal on 86. Battling play by uh, Williams. He rode off three tackles. The referee could have maybe pulled up for a foul for one of them and then set the ball up for Martin to blast it home. I mean, he silenced his critics today, didn't he? And it was a good goal and a good finish, Les. It was. I mean, there wasn't a lot of space. Do you know what I mean? Was, I think it was just inside the box or the edge of the box. And he's got a load of players around him. He's managed to get his shot off. And yeah, it was a good strike. I mean, I think if we were the defending team, we'd be really annoyed that seeing he had three or four players around him and none of them got a block in. There was one defender who kind of stood off and just kind of stood there expecting the ball to go into him, but he didn't make the effort to close him down. And he got good power behind the shot. Um, and that's what Chris Martin's good at. I mean, if remember against Millwall when he's through one on one, he hasn't got any pace. He's not going to no. run in behind. He's not going to beat people. But if you give him time and space, don't close him down. He's got a good shot on him, and that's ultimately what got us a goal. It was a good shot, good finish, um, and he's a good player. I rate him very highly. I mean, he's not a player who can play forty six games a season. Um, we are going to be limited with him because he ain't got no pace. But look, he's getting goals at the end of the day, and he's looking like a you know what he is, a solid, good championship, championship striker. Yeah. Um, Ian, your thought, I mean, Martin had the chances, your, your, your comments on the, the goal. I mean, Williams, who about 10 minutes earlier had fought for a lost cause and ended up sliding into the advertising audience behind the goal. But good advantage by the referee. And then he let him get the ball through. And what a great finish it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, contrast Joe Williams doing that with Andy King and Matty James. That's the difference. That's what you need to do. You need to, yeah, yeah. He probably took one of those, took one of those, uh, those balls in the stomach, or on the top of his thigh, or, or he probably got a bit hurt. But he still had the presence of mind to slip it to Martin, who made half a yard, put a cracking, cracking shot off and finish. I mean, if you look at the saves that the Peterborough keeper made, I mean, he made a great save. Um, from from a header, uh, uh, that was Joe Williams as well. Um, in in the first in the second half, I mean, a little bit of Hollywood about it, but I mean, fair play to him. He got a good strong hand on it, kept it out. Then there was Martin's header that was down to his uh, right, and he kept that out. So, you know, we had, uh, you know, we had six efforts on target out of sixteen in total. And I genuinely believe Martin, uh, on another day, might have got a hat trick if, if one of those headers had gone in. So, yeah, I think it, you know I was I was with the fact that make, making this point, but I'll make it again. Apple in Luton, and you have four shots on target in 180 minutes of football. How the hell are you going to score goals? And and one thing mm. you really have got to get on to is. Why have we got a 67% points take at home and 27%, uh, sorry, 67% points take away 
We picked up 12 out of 18 points and a 27% points take at home against arguably, I'm not counting Fulham as a, as a worse side, but I certainly think that this season, Blackpool, Swansea, Preston and Luton are worse than um, Reading, we Cardiff and QPR. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying there. Um, Les, uh, I said earlier, well, Mark said when he joined us from uh, his car trundling on whatever road it was, um, when uh, Alex Scott came on, that was with about a third of the game left, what, 25, 28 minutes, something like that. Um, there were more experienced players on the bench than him, i.e. Casey Palmer could have come on. Was that a good choice of sub? And he showed a side to his game. Well, we all know he can win free kicks a la Jack Grealish, but he did some tackle, wasn't it? That particular one that he did on uh, Carnu. Well, I mean, after after Wednesday, was it Wednesday or Tuesday when we played Millwall? Wednesday, I think. Yeah, Wednesday. Backinson, Backinson and Palmer should be massively out of credit because well, Backinson was dreadful and Palmer just sorted around the pitch despite just coming on. Um, I mean, you always worry that, you know, like a young player like Scott will make a rash challenge in the penalty box in injury time and will get caught out with a penalty and get the draw and that. That's Callum and O'Dowd who does that. Yeah. <laughs> was he yeah. last year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, th- I thought he did show a different side of his game. He got a good challenge in at the end. He got clattered earlier on when he came on. But he kept at it, and he didn't let that bother him. And I think he did really well. I I think he's needed a break. I mean, when he played in the game where he got subbed off after 20 minutes or half an hour, I think it was Luton, I'm not sure. Um, I wondered whether we'd be seeing him again at all for the next few weeks and months. But mm. he's showing what he can do. He's showing he's got a good head on young shoulders, which you need. And, you know, he's got that side to him that helped massively today from a defensive perspective Definitely. anyway. Yeah, after we got that goal, uh, I mean, it was uh, backs to the wall, uh, even though Ian said a couple of players should put themselves, their, um, the crown jewels, on the line a little bit more. But uh, Dan Bentley earned his corn, didn't he? Uh, Les uh, saving that free kick from uh, Grant, yeah, and then uh, getting down at the post after a shot had come in and it deflected off of... Uh, King's heel and would have been an own goal. And how many times over the years have we seen those go in? Two great saves. And was that a little bit of shithousery when he made out? He banged his head on the post making that save because that bought us time. And they certainly didn't play the amount of time the game was stopped before he blew up at the end of the game. But uh, good yeah, stuff I mean, from Bentley again, wasn't it? Listen, we know he's a good shot stopper. The problem with Bentley is when he's got to think about it. And um, I, don't think there's, I don't think there's a much better shot stopper in the league than Bentley. Um, so I'm not surprised he made the saves that he did. I mean, Grant's a good player. They signed him from Lincoln. It's a good free kick. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I expect him to make those saves because he's a good goalkeeper. And was he injured? Was he not? I mean, I'm, we don't know, do we? <laughs> I guess no. we'll find out in the next few weeks. But hopefully not, because I think he is a much better goalkeeper than O'Leary is at this stage in, of o- in O'Leary's development. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Ian, um, one player we haven't mentioned at all in the uh, 30 or so minutes that we've been talking, uh, and he came in for some criticism, as did Chris Martin on Wednesday, for a, a performance, yeah, it was sort of very, well, worse than meh. Uh, Andreas Weiman, uh, what did you think of him today? Again, I'm... You know, he's got his critics. He's got the people that love him on OTIB. Some people getting some pelters, myself included, for daring to criticise him. But poor game from him today? 
Um, I thought he ran around a lot, but he didn't actually achieve much. Um, I think work rate, yeah, needs to get his foot in more. Um, so, for example, when you close down the goalkeeper, you do it like Antoine Semenu does it. So you run at the goalkeeper and you try and block what he's doing. You don't mm. run up and stop when you're a yard away. And if anybody wants to watch the game back, that's exactly what he does. He, he runs toward the player and then stops. What he needs to be doing is running towards him and tackling him. Because I think they're back four. Or uh, I think we could have taken the ball off them on a lot more occasions if we'd have just tried to tackle and not um, not just, you know, loosely closed down. I think they had too much time and too much space. We didn't press them hard enough for a side in the position that they're in. And I think, well, I don't know if that's a lack of confidence, if it's a lack of fitness. Um, I don't know. But that is another area to improve. So... If I'm closing you down and I'm running at you, then you're more likely to panic than if I'm jogging towards you and saying, I go on, mate, kick it. So I think that's an area we need to improve. I think Martin and Weinman will really appreciate a rest because they, they've played too many games, particularly uh, well, both, both of them without a break. And we... we I think we made a ricket when we didn't pick up a striker in, the, you know, a number nine in, in the summer window um, because we clearly haven't got a younger player. And I know Sam Bell was in the squad today, but we haven't got a younger player to replace Chris Martin, who does, he's a little bit like family. Well, considering, considering he, he considering he's a slow work, one, on, yeah. he does good work, good work defending, you know, in the penalty area from set pieces, he does some good work as well as attacking. And we haven't got, um, you know, you could say, well, put Naki in instead, but Naki ain't going to head away corners. Well, a fit, I think a, 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 a fit Chris Martin alongside Naki has got a little bit more going for it than a, a, a Martin Vyman combination. I mean, what did you think of Vyman today, uh, Les? I'm, I'm one of these that thinks he runs around a lot. Totally agree with Ian that he does these 40 yard sprints, but then, unlike Semenyo, doesn't force the keeper to do anything, you know, so he'll think he's done a lot of running. Yeah. And that's one of the themes that came out on OTIP. He's a willing runner and all the rest of it. Yes. He set up that goal for Wells against QPR and he scored two braces that have got us wins. Who are we to criticize on that? But when he's not involved, like I felt he was today, not involved on Wednesday, he doesn't bring much else to the side, does he? Well, I think what we just saw was typical Vyman. He'll have games where he runs around a lot, like Ian says, and does very, very little with it. Um, and this is what we've seen throughout his time with us. He'll have games where he doesn't contribute five, six, seven games in a row, and then out of nowhere, he'll get a double and win us the game. And I yeah. think we just got to accept that is just the way he is. If he was better than that, then obviously he wouldn't be with us. But no, I didn't think he had much of an impact on the game. I thought he worked hard, but didn't offer much going forward. Um, and I think that's where he is. It, like, like I said, he goes on these runs where he doesn't score, he doesn't threaten, um, and he's going through that spell now, and it's been like that really since Reading. But, yeah, he's he's still a player that we need in the squad because of his work rate and because of the fact he can do things occasionally 
it yeah. just didn't really happen. And that's that. why managers love it. In fact, he said since Reading, because obviously he had the Cardiff. Cardiff was after Reading, and then he set up the winner. So, you know, he's got some credit oh, yeah, with Cardiff, the manager. Yeah. yeah. I mean, looking forward, okay, we've got a two-week break. Um, I, I Looking for the side to face Bournemouth, who I think I'm right in saying are top. I mean, I think it's going to – this is what I think it's going to look like. And then I'll ask Ian first, then you, uh, Les, what, what would be different. But I think, obviously, Bent's in goal. I think Tanner's got the right-back slot for that. Callas will be there. Atkinson will be there. And even if Jada Silva or Baker are fit, I'd be minded to put Pring there. Maybe you might question that one. In the middle, I think the Holy Trinity, assuming Masengo's fit, will make an appearance. And that is Matty James. Joe Williams and Masengo, yeah? Chris Martin is going to start, right? So that leaves us then with who partners Chris Martin. Is it Vyman? Is it Wells? Does Pring drop out and Baker come in? O'Dowder, does he play if Pring uh, keeps the left-back slot? You first, Ian. What, what, what do you think the side will look like, assuming everybody's fit against Bournemouth? It's quite easy to predict, I think, but challenge me on it. Well, it, it, it's quite easy to... Um, it's, I don't think it's easy to predict against um, a, a, a top team. Because I think Pearson's going to look at it and, OK, you might think, well, yeah, let's go gung-ho. It's, it's, uh, it's a free hit, as uh, sometimes Lee Johnson used to call games. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what, what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll attack, and if it's, I don't know, 4 3 or 3 2 or whatever, it'll be an entertaining game because we need to win it home. Um, I, it, you know, for, for me, um, I, I think you need to get against Bournemouth a bit like the game against Fulham, you need to get your best players in the site. So, yeah. against Bournemouth, I, I would try. Um, and go. Uh, I, I would try and go, probably something like either four five one, or three five two. Um, so, and and get pace out wide in Semenyo if he's fit and Calamo Dowda, uh, and then you can play your three narrow in midfield who can support the defense because I think the defense that played today would be a wee bit vulnerable against uh, against a, a good side like Bournemouth and um, and they are a good side but you say I mean if you say a three five two then you're saying you're saying Callis Atkinson and Baker in there anyway yeah Tanner's got Tanner's got the right hand side tied up right who played yeah. so that's that's your three so that's one of your wing backs so who's your right Who's your left wing back then? Is it is it Pring or is it De Silva? Because that's the five, and then then your midfield three, assuming they're all fit, picks itself, which is James Masengo and Williams. Then are you telling me that if you are going to accommodate, you can't accommodate Semenyo in that because you've got Vyman and Martin, and there's no place for uh, Naki Wells. That's if you play the three five two. There is there is a place for Naki Wells because. Um, he he can play as a second striker to uh, Chris Martin. So if we play two up front, I'd play Chris Martin because we haven't got a replacement. Um, mm. And I I play um, 
Naki Wells if he's fit. So you you wouldn't play you wouldn't play Vyman. Vyman wouldn't be in the starting lineup then. No, not not. I'd probably start with him on the bench, and then if we need to develop it, possibly put him on. If you know for a goal down with twenty five minutes to go, put him on as an attacking midfield player. Yeah. Um, All right. I mean, okay. No, we're broadly in agreement. We're broadly in agreement there, I think, aren't we? Yeah, because certain there's only about three positions, three out of the eleven that are either ors. I mean, what do you say? What do you say, Les? I mean, how would how would you line up everybody fit? Well, I mean, it's not really about what I think because you know I wouldn't start Vyman at home, but he will start. There's no way that Pearson will drop him. Um, I think what he'll do is have Bentley in goal, Tanner right back. Kalas at concern and maybe Pring at left back. Uh, potentially O'Dowd at left midfield. Then you got James and Williams as a two centre midfielders. Maybe Masengo on the right. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Byman, Byman and Martin, Martin up front. front. Yeah. yeah. The only question mark for me is the left side. <coughs> yeah. Me. So he yeah. might he might end up playing Baker left back and Pring left midfield. Yeah, or he could bring. He could play. Uh, he could play Baker left back and Semenyo wide on the left as well. They're, they're, they're nice selection choices to have. Um, yeah, he, he he won't start Semenyo. That's not going to happen. No, no, you're right um, there. You're right. Let's look yeah. at the results. Let's look at the results around the championship today. Then we, I know, Ian, one of your agenda items from the other day was, you know, what's going to happen in the transfer uh, window, which is a long way off yet. But uh, I mean, interesting results today. Was it Coventry four, Fulham one? I mean, it's a real yo-yo division at the best of times. Coventry got got five nil by Luton, and then they came back and beat um, uh, came back and beat Fulham four one. Uh, did either of you guys watch any of that game? Today, yeah, I watched the game. Yeah, I don't. I, I really don't think the league this year is a very strong league. Mm. I think West Brom are quite average, actually, and I think the way they play will suit us when we come and play them. Yeah, physical is going to be a battle, which is what we're good at at the moment. I think Bournemouth are really impressing me, actually, the way they're playing. Fulham are clearly going through a period of transition. Um, and then you've got the size like Coventry who are punching well above their weight. It's, it's not like it was a few years ago when like Newcastle came to the gate and they just shut the door on us and we got absolutely nothing. We wouldn't have got nothing for the next two, three, four hours that we were playing. And, you know, we've seen some real quality teams in this division over the last few years and I don't think there are any this year. No. Um, so I think it's going to be, I think we can go into every game this season genuinely with a really good opportunity of getting three points, whereas in the past, you know, that just wasn't going to be the case. Yeah. Ian, uh, Steve Cooper, Nottingham Forest, won 3-1 at Barnsley, won 3-0 at Birmingham today. Do you think uh, they can turn the corner under him? You know, that's two good results back-to-back, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the Blue blue did a good job uh, job at Swansea. Uh, I mean, although what he'll do when his looks go, I've got no idea. But, um, <laughs> uh, He's not got a career in television when he packs in, has he, really? But neither of any of us. Sorry, Liz. Great face for radio. But, yeah. No, I, th- I think he's, um, I mean, he's having an effect there, isn't it? You know, I mean, before they couldn't, they couldn't win a game. Now they've gone there, they've won two. And they're pulling away from the mire, so I mean that's yeah. not going to be that's not going to be an easy game, and we're going to have to be respectful for them. But if if you look at um, Bournemouth side, 
uh, they've got some quality players in there. Yeah. I mean, Solanke's got eight goals this season. You've got Lerner, who they played an arm and a leg for, and Billing in midfield. You've got Gary Cahill at the back with our, our very own uh, record Lloyd Kelly. money earner for us, Lloyd Kelly, playing left centre-back. Yeah. So, you know, they've got a really good team. Um, but they're... And I don't. I think I'm right in saying I don't think they've been beaten yet, have they, Bournemouth? No, uh, no, they haven't. No, they haven't. And interesting, our next three games, I think, it, does it go Bournemouth, Forest, and West Brom away? Yeah, is that right? Is there two home games in a row? I think. Anyway, um, guys, um, Mick McCarthy, Cardiff under pressure. Flynn's left Newport. Would Cardiff stoop and pick up somebody like Flynn? Do you think he's under pressure, Les? Or do you think McCarthy's under pressure? He lost at home again today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's under pressure. I mean, when you're playing at home and you're playing with eight or nine defensive players, I don't know if you saw, they played three-five-two against West Brom, and he played the back five at all uh, centre backs. And then you had Marlon Pack and Will Volks in front of them. I mean, you don't get much more defensive than that. Um, so he's under pressure because they're losing games and they're playing poorly. I don't think Flynn's a realistic option for them. I think they'll go for a much bigger name if they did get rid of him. But yeah. yeah. So Mick, Mick McCarthy, Ian, uh, <laughs> could be for the high jump. First casualty. Nobody's gone yet, have they? Uh, no, I, I, it won't be Flynn. Uh, I mean, he's being talked about for the Rovers job. Um, so I, I thought they I'm had Joey Barton. <laughs> well, that, that's uh, that's why I'm saying he's being talked about for the Rovers' job. Um, yeah. If you if you look at it, I mean, uh, Bournemouth have won seven, drawn four, so they've scored 18 goals and only only conceded eight in 11 games, and they got a goal difference of 10. And yeah. but today against Sheffield United, Sheffield United apparently played quite well and had a, had a lot more possession. So it's that thing about it's not the amount of possession you have; it's it's, it's what you do with it. Um, and uh, I, I think that, that Bournemouth have got they play four three three, and they've got that that in, intrinsic quality. I mean, they should have. They they spent an awful lot of money uh, for a very small club. They spent an awful lot of money, and financially, they're not a very small club because they were in the Premier League. Was it five seasons? Yeah. You know, so that's that's half a billion in revenue. Plus, they're still getting another year's parachute money, which is about thirty odd million after getting forty odd million last year. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, as we discussed midweek, that that's what you're up against. Um. So, but but no, it's it's very interesting, and and you know, Coventry losing five nil at Luton and then whacking Fulham four one. I mean, that's got to be the weirdest thing ever, isn't it? Yeah, and us being involved in a boring game on a Wednesday night and then put in, being part of a five-goal thriller just shows what it can be like, doesn't it? Ian, let's come on to one of your agenda items and what we need and well, we don't we don't know. But I'll, I'll pose this question to you both and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up uh, tonight because we're just come, coming up towards the hour. Right, so quarter of the season gone. We know it extrapolates out to 67 points. Let's say we get to the halfway stage of the season, which is around about, well, just when the Jan transfer window opens. And we've sat there on 36 points, yeah? So that would see us getting 20 points from the next 12 games, all right? Which is not, uh, you know, nothing massive. So 20, I'm just going to work that divided by 12 whatever that is, yeah, 20 points in the next 12. Do you think that's 1.6 points a game? Nothing major there. Um, do you think where we are 
at the halfway stage will determine what we buy. Ian? Yes, it will. Um, to, to an extent. Um, I, I think uh, we, we definitely need a number nine. And like I say, we, we, I think we made a, a rick in the summer by not getting one. Um, yeah. Then you, you start to look at, okay, what could turn us into a much better side? And that would be a very good creative midfield player. But Nigel Pearson might think, well, uh, I'm going to let Alex Scott play there. Uh, although we don't often play with a creative player in midfield. Not, not after. There's no, there's no Jack Grealish in there. There's no uh, Buendia in there. There isn't that type of player. Um, so I, I, that's what he might be looking at. I, I can't see um, any more of the youngsters getting into the side. I've got to be honest. I think we're okay for goalkeepers, centre backs, full backs. Unless in, you know, the other thing that will determine it obviously isn't league position. It's injuries. You know, if we lost. Callas, then he might go out and, and, and get a big experienced right-sided centre-back on loan. He might. On loan, yeah. So, yeah, I would think more. Uh, it's more likely that we'll get particularly if we need a player for one that's out injured, uh, it's more likely we'll get one on loan than, um, uh, than go out and sign one. But yeah. you do need... I mean, you've got Martins, what, 31 years old, uh, and I think it's wrong that he plays... Every week, I don't, you know, I don't care how. He started every game, hasn't he, so far? Yes, is that right? Yeah, yeah and I mean, yeah. And, and that's just not that's just not sensible. And he's when you look at the side, he's the only one that we haven't got a more or less like for like replacement for. Yeah, yeah, um, we're almost like for like. No two players are exactly like for like, but but yeah, no. um, I, I I think that that is is telling on him, uh, and I I don't think he should be playing playing three games a week. I know he probably wants to. I know he's a leader. But, um, you know, three games a week, to me, seems seems too much. And, and you need that bit of spark. And, and the same thing, although he's younger, applies to Andy Vineman. You know, but then again, with Andy Vineman, if you're playing the second striker, you can play Naki Wells like we did against um, Fulham. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, just, just looking... Um, just, just to give people a bit of background on, on the Coventry game, uh, Coventry only had 41% possession. They had the same number of shots on target against them as we did, five. Um, they had 14 shots, matched them on corners. Uh, but Fulham, and this is something I made a point of saying last week, they're, they're profligate, and it's probably one of the reasons they got relegated. They had 12 shots only one of which was on target. So they had one shot on target in 90 minutes. Is that Fulham, yeah? 50, yeah, despite yeah. having 59% possession. Yeah. And after that, I made that point after the, because I think they had something like six shots on target against us, but out of 22 or 23 shots. And and that that will come around and bite you in the backside, especially if you're in the end. In the end. You know, in the end. Well, they'd expect, yeah. Well, they'd expect to, to go up. Um, I mean, Ian, you say about midfield, uh, you know, because we're saying when they're all fit, then it's a James Williams Masengo. So that left side offensive creative player could be Alex Scott. So, yeah, but could they do better on that side? Les, let me ask you. I mean, you know, we get to Christmas, what, 23 games. 
you know, we've got 36 points, so that's seeing us get in 20 from the next 12, which isn't, you know, big, big uh, improvement on where we are. It's not a tremendous run. It's 1.67 games, 1.67 points a game. Um, what would you see us doing, you know, if we're on the fringes? You know, is there a temptation to get loan players in to help get you even further up or start planning for next season, 22-23, which is going to have a funny shape to it with the World Cup taken out about six, four weeks, four to six weeks in November. So what do you think might happen uh, in January if we're in that 36 points uh, at the halfway stage? Uh, Maybe a couple of loans if we are struggling for injuries, but there's no way we're going to be spending any big money in January. Uh, the only way we would do that would be on loans, and that's if we're struggling and we are basically trying to ensure that we don't go down. I think we'll see very little activity in January. Um, I think we may get one or two, maybe a loan striker to give the guys a rest, but I think it's going to be a very, very quiet window, assuming that we don't have a number of injuries. Yeah. Uh, Pearson's already said that January window are horrible to, to work in because the prices are overinflated. Um, and we're not going to do anything. He's not Pearson will not spend any money on a permanent basis if he is not completely convinced yeah. that someone has real potential yeah. or they're going to be very, very good. Um, so I think it's likely that if we do spend money, it will be in the summer window. Yeah. Somebody's uh, said, well, red bread, he said on here, where is the revenue coming from to buy players? True. But then do you splash a bit and maybe go for it? He can only see loans, which you agree with. He's also thrown in there, unless we sell. I mean, Ian, um, looking at the way Hano Masengo's been playing, um, he's the only one that somebody might come in for in January. And, you know, even in a depressed market, they'd have, somebody would have to be coming in looking at 10 million quid. That would put a complete different complexion on things, wouldn't it? Yes? Well, yes, it would, but they might come in. They might want Bentley. They might want Calaf. Uh, but then again, they might all get struck by lightning. So mm. we we don't we don't really know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously selling a player, you, you've got more income coming in. I think lands down... You look at the two players we bought comes to just under two million, so let's call it two million for round numbers. I, I think we've probably got a ceiling of about two million under FFP because they're going to roll this year's accounts into next yeah. year. Um, so I, I think if Nigel Pearson said, Wow, we can get this number nine from I don't know, let's make something up, uh, Rotherham. Yeah. Uh, some, you know, a club that would be prepared to release a player or someone that's coming out of contract. I mean, the lad Smith, it rather that we looked at in, in the close season. And then, then, you know, come the end of it, they, they started looking at talking stupid numbers, but he's out of contract at Christmas. He's out of contract in six months. So you could go and get him for a bargain. And would he do a job for you for two or three seasons? I yes, he might. Would. Yeah, um, and um, we were talking about Steve Cooper. That was their third consecutive away win. Forest, they play at, at exactly the same as he used to at Swansea—a three-four-two-one formation with Lewis Graben up front. Um, there's, they've got their left centre back as a guy called McKenna, <laughs> who I think went there from Aberdeen because we were linked with him a few times. 
and they showed real quality today because Birmingham had more shots, more shots on target, um, but 58% of Swansea's shots were on target, and that's a really high percentage. That is a high, had, that uh, is a high number. Yeah, I, I think they had nine of them altogether, so that's not going to be, that, you know, a few weeks ago, you'd have looked at that and thought, nah, that's three points. I, I honestly yeah. don't, I, I honestly don't think, you know, you, you you can't take any games in this division. Like, I mean, Peterborough, let's be honest, they could have easily won that 4-3 today. Uh, they didn't. But, um, you know, and you could say, well, we could have easily beaten Swansea or Blackpool. But, well, every we game, could. every game, but, I think, but every, every game. game is difficult in this division. Yeah, yeah that's true. But by the way, before I forget, I thought the referee was very good today, especially... Didn't notice him. Um, yeah, you didn't notice him hardly well, at all, really, and, did and you? Taking, Taking conditions into account, yeah, you know yeah. he could he could have booked, but he, he took them into account. It was a pretty good game. I don't think there were any what I call nasty tackles in it or no. anything like that. So, no. you know, um, but yeah, I, I I think you know if, if he's won through, I mean they they got eleven points and a zero goal difference, so they're obviously moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Les, let me just ask you that. I mean, you know, Ian said, well, Bentley and Kalas could go out through the door. But, yeah, maybe. But Hanno and Masengo, it's got to be minimum 10 million. And, okay, you go out and you could buy that striker that Ian was talking about. And then do you say, well, the 8 million, let's keep that in the bank for the summer. Or, well, let's just use that to mitigate the losses that are still going to be incurred. But, uh, Hanno Masengo, the one most likely to go out the door, and is that ten million figure not unreasonable because he's only going to go to a Prem club, isn't he? How long has he got left on his contract? Is it, is it a question. year and a half? Two Probably years. two years. Two years. Well, two years at the end of this end of this season. Okay, so yeah, uh, if he's got two years left, then you're looking at a minimum of what seven to ten million, uh, mm. and he'll go to either a Premier League club or a top club in Europe, or not necessarily a top, top club, but, you know, a European, a team playing European football, I'd say. Um, yeah, I mean, we got to try and keep him. I wouldn't even consider selling him. I think he's got the potential to get even better. And I think he's someone we've got to do our best to keep at the end of the day. Well, let's hope we do. We need, to be, we, we need to be careful with this because, I, I personally, if you're asking me now, I can't see Masengo signing a new contract with City. Um, so it may be that we have we can't let him walk out the door for nothing. I'm not. I'm just not having that. I'll explode. Well, what that. we do is what we need to do is we need to offer him a deal, and if he says no or if he stalls, we don't do what we did with Jiju and give it another six months, give it another twelve months, and then say, you know <laughs> well, you, what, you just fine. We'll let you, yeah. we'll let you go when the offer comes in. Yeah. Yeah, Red Bread's put. Sorry, sorry, guys. Red Bread's put another comment here. He said clubs want to keep players, keep a player out of contract in the summer to get value on the pitch. And he's also said if anybody's going to the Lansdowne Q and A, which I, is it before the Bournemouth game, ask Dad yeah. if it was a club decision to let those players leave for nothing in the summer and not try to raise any funds, however small. Oh, he said shouldn't read Dad. I'm not. John. I don't know what he said. Some good, some good points there. No, interesting times. I mean, we're going into the international break on a high. It would have been a good little run of uh, six uh, games because what was it we won three drew two lost one is that what it was is that right over the last six since the last one, international two, break one two drew one, three lost one 
One, two, Drew, three. That's right. And I predicted nine points from those six games, but nothing like (laughs) we didn't get those six points, uh, those nine points in a manner that I predicted. Guys, thanks a lot, Les and uh, Ian, for your uh, contribution and everybody who's listening. If you're following us on Twitter at Forever Bristol One, last time I looked, we have 499 followers. So if you aren't already following us, try and get us over the. 500 uh, this weekend. That'll be really great. I'll be having a little chat with uh, Dave Fevs as we did in the last international break and we will be back uh, as usual after the the Bournemouth game. Ian might be doing it from my house uh, on his way home. We shall see. Um, Apologies last week for all the sound problems that we had. But uh, no, it's a good show and uh, thanks for listening and uh, have a great week. Have a great international break. All the best, everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye now. See you later. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.